All right, so welcome to Scholar Tea. Today's a little different because we have a group chat episode. We have some of our dearest friends, colleagues, neighbors, they loved come to ones, the table. sisters, brothers, coming to. They got a seat at the damn table. The red table. Have you have you watching the red table with Jada Pinkett? Mm, I I saw a portion of it. Yes. Well, they come into the sweet tea table. The sweet tea table, and and this is our last episode of the season, so we had to go big or go home. Season one in the can. That's right. All so right. we have beautiful people in this session today, and um, they really mean a lot to us. And so we're going to kiki together, and I feel like y'all are going to have an enjoyable experience listening to our conversations. All right. So shall we introduce our friends? Yes. So, friends, who's on the call? A to the J. This is Aja. <laughs> Technically, I just called in right now. So, <laughs> I am Aja Holmes. I am the Senior Associate Director for Residence Life at Cal State Sacramento. And that's where I live in Northern California. So, I'm about maybe an hour and a half from San Francisco, kind of give you all in terms of geographical location. Although, if there wasn't traffic, I can make it there in 45 minutes. Hmm. Something interesting about me I am actually a part of a national book club, and I'm very proud um, to be a part of that. Hmm. And it's a book club that has over 400 members, over 60 different chapters um, across the United States. And we actually just had our um, Authors Awards weekend, which was in Indianapolis. And so I got some chance to hang out with Victoria Christopher Murray, who is one of our authors who we honored um, at the event. Awesome. So, yeah, my name is Reggie Blockett. Um, I'm really excited to be on the call. I'm a avid listener of Scholar Tea, and I kiki with my friends after I listen to each session. I'm an incoming assistant professor at Grand Valley State University here in Michigan. I am currently in transition, so my life is kind of crazy. That's something that's interesting about me. I'm currently uh, living with my family in Detroit, um, which is cool because it's reminded me of the old days, Um, but I am going to be relocating to Grand Rapids next month. Um, So yeah, that the interesting thing I think is that me and my two younger brothers and my one brother's son are all under the same roof with my parents. <laughs> so it's <laughs> five adults, one child, um, and we're all making it happen right now. Um, and that's been kind of fun and interesting. Can I tell you something that was real gangster, Reggie? You sent an email with your signature with your new position from your Yukon email address. <laughs> I thought that was gangster. <laughs> Listen, this transition is real. I've had four dresses in the past four months. It's it's wild. I'm ready to sit down and settle, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Congratulations. Hi, I am Tiffany Davis. I am a clinical assistant professor at the University of Houston, so living in Houston, Texas. And something interesting about me, um, I just got back from spending two weeks in China, mm. and so... Today is the first day that I actually can remember my name. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm exhausted. Welcome back to the States. Thank you. Hi, my name is Estee. I use she and her pronouns. I am a doctoral candidate in the higher ed program at Florida State University. My interesting fact is that I, too, am an avid listener of this podcast. I was ill-prepared, so I don't have an interesting fact. Esty texts us while she's while she's listening and responds as if she is on the podcast. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. I do do that. That is something <laughs> interesting. I offer my buffalo wing flavor that I'm most feeling like, etc. 
Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan McElderry. Um, I serve as the Assistant Dean of Students and Director of the Intercultural Center at Wake Forest University, which is located in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Something interesting about me is similar to Tiffany, I just got back from Thailand, uh, where I spent two weeks there, and so still suffering from jet lag, but definitely an amazing experience. I got to go into a cage with a tiger and, and sit and pet it and take pictures with it, so... Surprisingly, I was not scared whatsoever. So, yeah, good time. So, mood. Describe your mood as if you were a bag of chips. Ooh, I can go first. Go ahead. This is Tiffany, and I am like a Pringles can of chips. Mm. because Which flavor? Once you pop, ooh, sour cream and onion, because (laughs) it's bomb. And let me just tell you the Chinese flavor of it was so much better than the American version. So, but once you pop, you just can't stop. I think everything is like, it's supposed to be summer, but yet I have more things on my plate than a little bit. Each time one thing happens, something else comes up. Mm -hmm. So I'm a Pringles can right now. I I thought you were talking about getting chose. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, all right, Tiffany. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... Mm, mm, mm. That's me. So I was going to say, and I know, um, Shauna, you'll get this reference. I'm a yeah. bag of better made hot barbecue chips right now. Is that well, the, those are the ones you can only get at the gas basin? station? Those are the chips you only get Hold at the on. gas station? Now, now, wait a minute. No, they sell them in the Kroger and at the grocery store. <laughs> and Meyer. Okay. <laughs> In Detroit. And the Meyer and the Walmart and all the, and Detroit. I was going to say the, the better made is a Detroit brand. But um, those of us who, you know, local Detroiters and, and Michiganders, hot and barbecue, you know, it's going to give you that sweet, but it's going to get that spicy, too. That's right. Like real oh, spicy. that's right. And so, so. Reggie, are you talking about Vintner's, V-I-N-T-E-R? What, what is it? V as in Victor, V-I-N-T-E-R? Victor. No, 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 not Victor. No, 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 not Victor. These are this is better made. Better made, <laughs> baby. I've heard of Victor, though. <laughs> no, I'm talking about, how do you spell that? Oh, better made, B-E-T-T-E-R, and then uh, made, M-A-D-E. So, oh, okay. like, literally, it's, it's made better. That's what <laughs> Cameron just mad because they have those Master P chips in Naptown. That's all. They the same ratchet chips that y'all talking <laughs> <Nah>. about. <laughs> Got some make them say, uh, chips. Listen, okay, at least I ain't say I was a bag of, you know, uh, the Waka Flocka chips. Right. So let, me, let me have my yes. chips, okay? Don't <laughs> hate on those chips. That's right. And if I could put a pop on it, I'd be a better, I'd be a Fago red pop. So, but I, I'll leave it at that. So. Same. Ditto. <laughs> copy paste. So we have a similar chip, well, or whatever, but it's from Chicago. And it's called Vintners. V-I-T-N-E-R-S. Vintners. And those are the ratchet chips that be at the grocery store or, um, like, they have their own version of cheddar cheese. That's what I thought you were talking about there. But these ignit chips, hot and lime curls, like, they have their cheese curls what? and those ones that we then we would put then barbecue sauce on top of those chips shake up the bag and that's how you ate those on top of that about 17,000 calories just in a bag and then you still got to eat the rest of your food for the day so um that's my bag fitness crunchy curl doing the most (laughs) y'all in these ratchet snacks just doing the most (laughs) and when i'm in chicago i make sure i grab me a bag (laughs) because they're sold nowhere else you know, 
I'm headed to Chicago on Friday, on Saturday, so I'm going to have to check out this Vintner situation when I go. So I'm yes. going to try him out. <laughs> this is Jonathan. Um, so the chips that came to mind was the Little Romeo wrap snacks. Yeah. Um, the honey barbecue flavor. <laughs> yes, wrap snacks. I want a dab of ranch. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in a good mood today. The sun is out. It's shining. And I really wish I had a bag of these uh, chips right now. But you can only find them in certain gas stations. So I'm going to have to go. In to certain sections of town. I don't know what kind of chip I am. I think I, it's easier for me to answer what kind of chip I feel like eating. But um, <laughs> if we're if we're, if we're going to talk about what y'all call ratchet snacks, and what my people would call rachetera or guacha <laughs> snack. She don't say them takis. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, see, takis, takis kind of like new, new. But when oh. I was growing up, we used to eat uh, Flaming Hot's covered with nacho cheese. Um, oh my God, yes. <laughs> or, or we would eat Flaming Hot's covered with lime and queso fresco and mm. um, hot sauce. It's, I can't eat that anymore because my stomach can't handle it, but that's <laughs> what I would want to eat. That, that sounds like that prison food. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what that, that's prison food. I, my uncle eats that now. What you talking about? Oh. can't with you. I'm not. <laughs> so I'm going to be a little classier. <laughs> My mood on today mm. is some Cape Cod chips. They have this aged white mm. cheddar Come that on, I will you. fuck mm. up. Okay, I can eat a whole bag <laughs> by my damn self. Like I bought, I bought three bags this week. Two of them are gone. That's that. So you're an aged white woman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I aged. You know, this was a hard semester, a hard year. I've aged a little bit, mm-hmm. but still full of flavor. That's what I am. Got a good a bougie chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a bottle of rosé. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kettle cooked. Kettle cooked. Did we get everyone though? Not you, sis. Oh no, I was serious. Like, copy paste Reggie because I was actually about to say that exact okay. thing. She retweeted Jess. I think okay. the difference yeah. is I retweeted that. Thank you, Esty. No, I think the difference is instead of a Fago Pop, I would do a Verner's because I'm still Come a little on. sharp. I'm a little sharp today. I came Come in on. hot, ready to swing because that last meeting I came out of. Um, I'm calming down now because I'm with my friends though. <laughs> Better made. So we're going to go into some hot topics and we'll see how this goes. This is an article and it was talking about incompetent leaders on college campuses. The title uh, was the most common type of incompetent leader. According to the Harvard Business Review, researchers have studied managerial derailment or the dark side of leadership for many years. The key derailment characteristics of bad managers are well documented and fall into three broad behavioral categories, you know, moving away, moving against and moving toward. So you're just, you know, you're an object issue. Popular media is full of examples of bad leaders in government, academia and business with these characteristics. However, some folks are describing something arguably worse than an incompetent boss. Some managers are not overtly misbehaving, nor are they ranting narcissistic sociopaths. Rather, some supervisors are a leader in title only. Their roles are in leadership, but they provide none. And some professionals in the field are experiencing absentee leadership. And absentee leadership rarely comes up in today's leadership or business literature, 
But research shows that it is the most common form of incompetent leadership. An absentee leader is someone who is in a leadership role who is psychologically absent from their role. They are promoted into management and enjoy the privileges and rewards of a leadership role, but avoid meaningful involvement with their teams. And absentee leadership resembles the concept of rent-seeking in economics. They take value out of an organization without putting value in. What are your thoughts on that? That sounds like a parasitic leader, but I don't know if it's absent. I think that there's like a clear dimension of extracting resources without putting anything in it. This is Jonathan. I think we see it a lot on our college campuses, specifically with people who have been in certain administrative roles for like 10, 20, 30 years. I think uh, those roles become, they're in the role so much that they, they literally can do them with their eyes closed. And so I think sometimes when new professionals then come in under them, they don't get the proper kind of supervision and guidance they need because these persons have kind of checked out in the field. Like they no longer attend mm-hmm. conferences. They kind of just come to work to collect that paycheck and are waiting for their retirement. Mm-hmm. Continue with that. I think those are the ones that really do such a disservice to the organizations. Mm-hmm. When we have folks who are in those complacency um, mindsets, they don't put anything back into the organization, and they are really the ones who, the younger folks who really want to hear from, like they really want to hear from them at conferences, want to see them at presenting at conferences, and really want to get some of that institutional knowledge and some of that historical knowledge that's in some of those older folks who've been around for a while. But yet, like like John said, they don't attend conferences, they don't want to give back. And I also think when folks are looking to move up, they're in some of those key roles where it's like, okay, my next step is this, but I'm established, I'm here in this, I have a family, I have children, and so I'm not looking to do a national search. My next stop will be to then take on that next leadership role when this person, you know, no, I still got 10, 15 years before I retire, and I'm just going to stay here. And those are the folks that allow for a festering or fluster that happens in this mid-level management role where these people people are waiting above us to move on, but yet there's a lot of stirring that's happening in that mid-level management role that then causes that trickle-down to happen into our entry-level folks. And that's why you see, I think, such a big turnover, I think especially in some of these big systems, where also, too, where you have some of these roles where folks are in unions, and I really do think sometimes some of those unions help reinforce mediocrity. This is Tiffany, and I have a couple of, of thoughts. One, I believe that was Aja that was just speaking. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. Hey, girl. Hey. One of the things is, like, adding to you have a lot more people now that are having to work longer in ways before people could retire after 30 years and be financially okay. So you have top administrators that are kind of crowding that pipeline because they're having to work longer because they have maybe have families that they have to put through um, family members they're putting through college or having to take care of or even thinking about how they'll live at their same level of comfort. And so people are working longer, and we haven't figured out as organizations how to best utilize those folks while not having them in their retain them in a current position that they may not want to have or may not be best suited for the changing realities of organizational life at institutions. And then the second thing I was thinking about, and this might be the unpopular opinion about absentee leadership, is this idea that we have a lot of people that nationally we look up to, right? Like you go to conferences, they're your celebrity, but on their own campuses, because they're so focused on having to do kind of like these side hustles because of equitable uh, living wages of our profession, you have a lot more people having to do side hustles or consulting or be involved in 
association leadership or, you know, program reviewing or all these kind of other activities that take their attention away from sometimes their main job, which goes back to, I think Jocelyn was saying is, but because they know how to do that job and they're comfortable in it. And so it kind of creates this kind of like absenteeism because people are having to think about the grind um, and not just their main job, which people back in the day could, I think, could really do. Um, even just like a decade ago, you didn't see this rise of the side hustle in our field in the same types of ways. This is Jonathan. I have one more comment. So kind of thinking about what Tiffany and Asha just say, so thinking about absentee leadership and thinking about these people being complacent in their role, I think it's highly connected to a lot of the campus activism and problems that we're seeing on our campus nowadays. Just based on my previous experience um, at other institutions, I think it was senior leadership who had become complacent that resulted in a lot of the campus activism and, and the problems that we had on campus. Because when they did kind of hit the boiling point, there it was nothing new. Um, alumni from the 70s, 80s could tell you the same exact story. But because these same people had been in leadership roles since like the 1980s, 1990s, nothing had changed, and it wasn't until the students of that generation ultimately became fed up where they were eventually pushed out and then change began to occur. I agree with um, with everything that's kind of been said about the actual, you know, carrying out of work and leadership uh, roles, the changing demographics and changing um, kind of times of, of populations and students and all those things in the higher ed enterprise. And when I was in Indiana, I don't know if this was a state policy or just like a policy at IU, but there was, you know, I don't know if places have um, created policies similar to this to kind of be able to combat some of this, but there was a policy that if you were in a, um, you know, executive position at an institution, a high policy maker, um, upper administrators, whatever the case may be, at 65, you had no choice but to uh, leave that position in some capacity. You did not have to retire. It wasn't forced retirement, but you could no longer uh, serve in that capacity of an executive. And so that was their way, at least, of trying to address some of this, um, you know, the issues around leadership. So, I mean, some places seem to be responding to that in, in various ways, I guess. And uh, Jordan, you're on the call? I am. Hi, everyone. My name is Jordan West. She, her, and hers pronouns. And Jordan's a little late to the call because work calls. For me as a faculty member now, and my students who are graduate students or have practicums, when they have absentee supervisors, managers, or leaders, um, it's frustrating because then they feel like they can't make connections of what's happening in their assistantship, their practicum into the classroom. And then I feel like I'm then doing two jobs, right? Like I'm trying to supervise them and coach them through mm -hmm. their experience while also thinking about the theory and then thinking about theory to practice, right? And some of that they should be getting and that other experience that then they're not getting. And then these people then become entry-level professionals trying to get some things that they should have got through their graduate, pro right? Like, so then the cycle then starts of setting up future absentee leaders, right? And I also think it sets the tone in terms of, you know, we, we get a lot of those folks that they come out their grad program and then they're applying for the president position <laughs> or VP position somewhere. <laughs> I think like some of that role modeling is setting the tone for people's even expectations for what leadership is mm. or isn't. Mm. I agree. I see that all the time. But I also think that in many ways, the experiences deflate. I think that competent, good educators, we try to infuse this change agent perspective onto our students, like that they're able to influence their positions by whatever, even if it's an entry-level position, they're able to influence change in whatever way, shape, or form. And then they're deflated by these practical experiences that mm. 
with absentee supervisors and leaders, and then they feel like, well, maybe this is not this is not what I thought it was, one, but I also won't be able to affect change, especially with someone who's absent, or maybe even just absent in thought, but not necessarily absent in physical presence. Mm-hmm. And I think also people are expecting a little bit more from their supervisors than they did in the past, right? Like some people do use the academy as a, a mechanism for like connecting their passions to their work. And so I think some people are looking to their supervisors to be their mentors, for example, Mm -hmm. in ways that you didn't see in the past. You clocked in, you clocked out, you went home. And so I also just wonder what that means in terms of filling those educational gaps for people if they're not getting it from their academic programs, for example, and they're expecting it from someone who who has a leadership position. So then you automatically assume then that they might have something to offer in terms of mentorship and they can't provide it. I think that also then impacts people's passion for the field or their decision to quickly exit the field, right? Absolutely, yeah. I was just having this conversation with someone the other day talking about how um, we can't get folks to work on the weekends or or hard to get folks to also to do things after five. And I said here, um, I have not thought of student affairs as a nine-to-five job. I've never. Students don't think of them don't, don't think of themselves as a nine-to-five job. You know, their lives aren't nine-to-five mm-hmm. as well. You have to get folks to move beyond that paradigm where we're thinking that it's nine to five, that we're not corporate America, okay, and students' lives continue to live after five, you know, and before 8 a.m. and on Saturdays and Sundays. And so we have to be able to get into the mindset, especially with our new professionals, that that's the case. But also, too, some of our senior-level professionals then reinforce that as they're also, you see some of them come 459 or 445, mm-hmm. you know, Phones, if you call an office, phones are going straight to voicemail at 445 because we close at 5. That there looks at looks at that leadership and looks at how, what message are we sending to our students when we are shutting things down and saying that we can't help you after 5 or on the weekend. And so looking at how do we reframe that for our new professionals coming in and letting them understand it. If you want a 9 to 5 job, student affairs is not where it's at. But, Aja, I, I'd like to challenge that a bit, though, because I agree with you that it isn't a 9 to 5, but that doesn't mean that one person needs to be working 24-7. And I think as a field, that has also led to some absenteeism in terms of leadership. People are tired in mm-hmm. our field. Burnt out. Um, mm-hmm. When you have been working, burnt out. But, you know, like, what else am I going to do? You know? And I, so I also, I'm not I saying think- that one person needs to work 24-7, but I also think that we need to come up with ways to where we meet students where they are. Mm-hmm. And so Correct. if that means that at certain times of the year, we might have to readjust our hours because it's registration time and we need to have longer hours, then we need to, we need to do that. We need to figure out something. Mm-hmm. I am not asking us to work 24-7, but I'm asking for us to meet our students where they're at and understanding that if emergencies are happening, we have already have a staff in place to be able to address those emergencies. If things are um, mm-hmm. happening, you no know, opening is happening, and we need to welcome 3,500 students to campus, and that needs to happen on a Saturday, that we readjust our mindsets and readjust our time to make sure that that happens. We have to be able to meet students where they are. It is about meeting students where they are, but I think we need to also rearrange these organizational priorities that allow for us to hire the staff necessary. Because going back to this idea around leadership is that we do create these cultures of extraordinary work hours and work days, and we do it till the job gets done, and then we start saying that you're a leader if you look like this. So leadership looks one way. And I think that we have the pushback from the newer generation of professionals 
that are like, if that's the type of leader, then I don't want to be that. But they don't want to be the absentee, but they don't want to be the overworked. And so it's kind of hard to figure out which type of leader they're going to be. And so agree, we need to meet students where they are. But I think that's a bigger question and maybe a whole nother scholar tea about like, how does our, our field actually respond to the changing, like, do we need to start having some shifts? You know, like, do some people need to be on first shift and some people need to be on second shift and maybe some third shift people? Like, what does our field look? Not that I'm advocating for that. But, mm-hmm. like, what is it that we need to do to make sure that we're having healthier cultures around work and time at work and self-care and all of these things that are becoming more and more priorities for, um, for newer generations of professionals? Another aspect of this is accountability, right? Like, so if someone is legitimately absent, we also have a problem with terminating positions in higher ed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, terminating people. Sure do. Uh, people from people. their positions. Sure no, not the position, yeah. but yeah. people. Mm-hmm. We would rather wait for them to retire than to fire them. Mm-hmm. But I, I think to go on what Tiffany was saying was that we, that, that speaks to the leadership. The leadership needs to be able mm-hmm. to address the, the changing times that are happening with our students and also adjust the culture for the office or for that particular department or division to be able to meet those needs. Um, and so I think that speaks to the fact that we were talking about absentee leadership. If we're going to continue to think of our, our mind that this is a nine to five, that students don't have lives after this or students, you know, what about our commuter students who work during the day but who need to come to campus to do business type deals, but we're going to continue to have hours to where we're nine to five as opposed to elongating those hours so that those students can come to campus to do the business things, to make those business transactions without them having to take off from work. You know, how do we also be inclusive of that as well? But it also speaks to the leadership who needs to kind of change some of that thought process and get folks on board to maybe augmenting our hours during some certain times of the year. All right, so y'all, we we like to play around. We like to have fun. Um, we specifically asked y'all because we find you to be very fun to be around. We're gonna do this this activity. We're gonna take a pause. Um, it's name that tune, and you get extra points if you can name the artist. Are y'all ready? Yes. Bet. Can I use Google? No. I get to tell you, like, we can name that tune in three notes or something, like the old school game really was. Because I can't do that. (laughs) Don't use Shazam. Don't use Google. Just, you know, shout it out when you know it. You ready? It's also going to determine how ratchet y'all are. Oh, yeah. We're going to learn some things. (laughs) Just a little sprinkle. A little sprinkle. All right. So we'll start with the first song. Knock if you buck. Hey. Knock if you buck. Yes. You know, your shoulders just start bucking when you hear that. Come on. Who's the artist? No, I can't remember who. Uh, I don't remember. Crime. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we're, we're going to do our next song. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drake. No, they're not. <laughs> I was in that 
That's the Drake Wolf. What is the song? I get a free thing and I don't know. Hold up. Thank you. Nice for what? Aubrey Graham. That's a sample. That's a sample. That is a sample. It's, that is a sample. Yeah. I don't know no Drake. <laughs> no, I said Aubrey. I wasn't sure if you were asking. This. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you were trying to get where the sample she came did. from or if you were asking for the, the song. <laughs> that was definitely a sample. All right. Y'all ready for the third song? I don't mm-hmm. know if y'all ready for this one. Okay. Go. Hey. Gotta stay fly. Hey. hey. By who? Uh, 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 uh. It's three six mafia. Three six mafia. Uh, 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 this was one of the hey. first concerts I went to. Oh yeah. In high school, with my little my oh. little white Catholic friends from high school. Uh huh. It was a little traumatizing. <laughs> Oh, I bet. They said all the N-words, didn't they? <laughs> Woo! All right. Y'all ready for the next song? Y'all, that was my jam in grad school. You couldn't tell me nothing. Yeah. I was rolling around Michigan State like, what? What about some nice country <laughs> maybe? <laughs> See, you don't move to Houston. You don't. You, <laughs> you don't know how to act now. Hey, you don't move to Houston. All right. Look, some Tejano yeah, no music or something. <laughs> Song number four. Oh. Maya. What is the song? Oh, wow. She's got that light voice. I can't do it. It was with Jay-Z. Best of me. All right. Y'all ready for your fifth song? Another one bites the dust. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> it's, if, I <laughs> if I rule the the if I rule the world by Nas, yeah, she said another one bites the dust. <laughs> Sis. That's the beat. It's, I bet it's, it's sampled. I'm sure. It's sampled. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who said that? It is sampled. We go. I'm gonna send you a playlist. If I rule the world. <laughs> All right. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine that. If I rule the world, shoot. This place would be bomb. All right. You ready for your next Lord, one? You're all I need. Yeah, by who? Yeah. That's with uh, Ray Mary J. Blige. Yeah. And, and Mary J. Blige. Come on, Jersey. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this song has been used many times by some very interesting, um, I guess if you say people who are getting married, that's they walk on the aisle and that. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
I've been to a couple weddings with that. You know, oh, I, don't, I don't want to say they're their ratchet weddings, but that was their song. They probably spray painted so their romantic. names on the back of their clothes, too, didn't they? At the wedding. Yeah. Whatever. It's a romantic song. The bridesmaids' dresses was airbrushed. <laughs> <laughs> they got the Rob song. Okay, next song. You ready? Hey, that's- I choose you. I choose you. No. Um, what is it? It's my favorite song. It's, it's out, um, on Earth. Uh, what's his face? Mm-hmm. Andre 3000. What, what were I you saying, Reggie? International something. What is it called? Is he on oh, the Why is this your favorite song? Oh, <laughs> Listen, that's, that's the international yeah. play anthem. Okay. I feel like and that's UG, and that's UG, and that's UGK featuring Andre 3000. Now, now that's a wedding song. That's a wedding song for you right there. <laughs> oh, that's my stuff. <laughs> Listen, that's, I played that at my dissertation defense. Hey, <laughs> it's by UGK. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do the next one. Shauna picked these songs. <laughs> Cameron! <laughs> I think I just knew one. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah! Hey, now. Yes, Wait, John. Hey, Who is that? Mm-hmm. Who is it? Y'all yeah, remember who it is? Hey, yo. Mm-hmm. It's Shawty Low. <laughs> Big oh up God. to all my haters. Final song. This one, we'll just see if y'all can get it. This was hard for me. Good luck. They're all quiet. It's Khalees. Caught out there. All right. Yeah, I had heard it before, but I could Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. Was that a single? Was that just a, a, a track on the album? That Shana? was a track on the album. So how are we supposed to know that? They're all different That's tracks. Huh? These were like, singles. Ah! Shush. These were hard in the club. Uh, I'm sorry. If I Ruled the World was not a single, okay? All I Need to Get By was not That's a single. Right. Those were all singles from albums. She didn't release this on this but song. That was album. All things that were on the radio, like I didn't have to buy that song. Called out was on the radio. Was on the radio? That, 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 that in Detroit. Song, you talking about she going to the band reunion? That, that shouldn't be on no radio. That's that, that bonus track you get. Called out there. Album. Y'all sing that song. I hate you so much right now. You remember that? Oh, song, that did come in later. That comes in later. Okay, that was mind. on the radio. You, I, I didn't know that was the name, but I thought it was I hate you so much. Right no, now. it's called Caught Out There. <laughs> She cut out all that instrumental stuff because you only get so much time on the radio. Yeah. She gave us the extended verse. Yeah. Oh, that was the beginning of it. It was. The, yeah. That, I was that, that the beginning didn't make it to the radio. No. Yeah. You, you try to fool That was that, that yelling song. All right, so y'all ready to spill some tea? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so someone posted this comment and we would like to hear your reactions. So everyone, just bearing my soul, but I don't know why I have this inferiority complex when I have just as much education. So feeling like you're not enough in the academy. Is this a real question? Isn't the answer white supremacy? I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so <laughs> the answer is white supremacy. But but someone wanted some feedback, I think. It sounded like they were just having a difficult time in that moment. They are just as capable, just as educated, but not feeling... The imposter syndrome, right? Yeah, they're dealing with the imposter syndrome and feeling like they are not worthy. And so it was in a public forum. And so the assumption that I have then is that you wanted some advice on maybe how to offset that or, you know, some consolation in that moment. Not sure if y'all have any tips or thoughts to provide. This is Jonathan. So I think it's something that everyone experiences. Well, people of color specifically often experience, Mm -hmm. no matter how high of education that we do have. I think what you can do to offset it is surrounding yourself with the right people. So for me personally, people that I call my friends and people that I trust, I know that will always give me kind of positive feedback on any given situation. So if I feel this though, I've I'm doing right in the situation, but it may not be turning out how I want you. They can give me that feedback for me to correct my behavior. And then just building yourself up. I mean, looking yourself in the mirror and knowing that you've got this. And, like, no matter how people make you feel or how they treat you, um, you've earned your right to be there. And you just have to show up and show out. So I think about a few things. I think about the ways in which particularly black women have found solidarity and community in similar spaces. I think that John's describing as it relates to community in particular and finding people who are true and authentic to you and themselves. So continuing to find whatever space does uplift you. I think there's a lot of spaces now that are uh, putting out affirmation cards. And I know several people who uh, I would say lean on affirmation cards as a daily ritual. I also think about what wellness looks like, and I think that's unique to the individual, but finding spaces for your um, self to heal and work through some of these components. I also think about writing or whatever other pieces that um, may fall into place, like meditation, that can be a space for you and yourself. Um, And then I would also say that we got a really good quote this past year at ACPA where somebody said, protect your peace. And so I've been really mindful of taking responsibility for the energy that I bring into spaces while also protecting my peace and not giving people that much power over me. And so sometimes that might mean leaving a physical meeting. Sometimes it might be not responding to the email, even though I'm ready to do that. Some of it might be just letting my actions show. And um, I think sometimes it might be leaving an institution. So if it gets to the point where you feel like you are torn every day apart because you don't um, feel enough um, because of the ways in which people are treating you, then sometimes that might mean the space is not for you to give to because it's not giving back to you. This is Tiffany. I agree with everything that's been said. And I also think that there, sometimes we have to step back and also remember that there's a difference between education and socialization. And a lot of us have the same degrees, but the the ways in which we got that degree, the experiences that we've had, the knowledge that, that we've developed, as well as learned, all those kind of things can come differently. And so there's also a hidden curriculum. This is the same thing we tell our students in terms of like, social capital, cultural capital, and everything. And yes, we have that wealth in ourselves. But as Jonathan was saying, it's like you need to find your community. And even Esther was talking about finding a community, finding a group of people that can lift you up, but can also share 
with you some things that you may not know. And so to be honest about those areas of insecurity with people that you trust, that are looking out for you, that care for you, um, and that know you, and then say, okay, well, I may, the reason why I'm feeling insecure in this situation is because of this, and say, well, how can I either gain confidence or competence in those areas can also be really helpful in terms of the problem solving about really thinking about what is it that's causing you to feel like you are not enough in that moment because it might be it could be seriously just a feeling of imposter in that space it might be a skill it might be a um, a political acumen or a, a presence or something that you can still work on to improve your own confidence and competence in that space as well this is Esty. i co-sign on everything that everybody has shared so far and really hinging upon what Tiffany just ended with knowing that the person it's important that the person knows that they are enough already as they are. That's something that I've been working on with my therapist because so much of my own self-worth is tied to my labor in really toxic ways and kind of trying to undo that. And so knowing that you're enough as you are is, is a, a good starting point in addition to all of the recommendations that folks have shared. This is Aja. As I'm knocking on 40, I have really been doing a lot of self-reflection about some things that uh, I need to change about me, but also, too, finding ways and a level of comfort to be able to say no. Mm. When you have given all you have given, no. When it's a task that you don't want to do, tactically and politically being able to say no. Um, I think we are so afraid of that word because we are looked as on it. If we say no, that means that we can't handle it. That means that we're not equipped to do it when that's not the case. You have to be able to know when you have set your limits and being able to say, at this time, this is not in the direction where I want to go, or at this time, I'm going to have to say no. And be okay and not having to think you have to provide this lengthy explanation upon why you said no. I said no because I said no, and being okay with that. You have to get to that level to be able to be okay with that. I'm getting there. I'll be there by September 3rd, which is my 40th birthday. Hey. Well, I think a part of saying no is also being okay with what the consequences could be, even if they're not yep. deserved. So being able to have some degree of um, self-confidence in that way, but I appreciate that that can come at great loss, particularly for bodies like ours, where we already are navigating who we are every single day in a place that doesn't want us. And so what does it mean to also then say no and understand that that could be either this really toxic environment that gets even worse, or you could lose a job, or you could start getting that language of you're angry, you're aggressive, you're, I mean, right, it comes in many different ways. And so I think it's an interesting dynamic to be able to say no when you still need to pay bills and eat and survive in other ways. And so I think that it has to come with some sort of sense of protection. And I think that's a very individualized experience. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's privileged, but I also know that it's not easy for everybody to say no and then bear the consequences. So we're running out of time. We have a few more segments um, to to wrap up the episode and a couple we want to engage you with really quickly. So for me, when thinking about what's problematic um, this week, we are going to ask you to choose either or, right? You, you get to choose either somebody that is not invited to the barbecue or somebody you would like to bring to the barbecue, 
All right. So you don't do both. You choose one or the other. So we're doing the Dave Chappelle racial draft. Is that what we're doing? Yep. <laughs> so Shauna, who's invited to the barbecue or who's not invited to the barbecue? Well, I would disinvite R. Kelly, but I think that's very clear. Um, no, I, there's I some whole tips out there that say he can yeah, still come. No, I don't <laughs> think he's that talented either. I said it. <laughs> oh, shit. I did. <laughs> I, I, I disinvited him like 10 years ago. Okay. Um, I think this week I will invite Seth McFarlane. Now, he has been very vocal on Twitter since this whole um, anthem thing, and he had a, a pretty good tweet that really drew some interesting comparisons, but I think for this week I would invite him to the barbecue. Okay. Reggie? So I know this probably seems cliche, but it's a reason, one of the reasons for it. But I'm I'm inviting Beyonce um, and her husband <laughs> and the twins can come too. She's already oh, there. They're she's, cooking. She's the headliner. They're she's there. already there. The it was just well <laughs> She's already invited. Like she's there. It's understood. <laughs> Listen, I'm like, just no, I think it's her barbecue. The it, it might be her barbecue, you know, or or maybe not. But she can just drop in for a second. Julius can come and do a search to make sure there's no weaponry and things like that. But Julius. they started the you know the tour this week on the run too. I got my ticket last night, so I'm in a Beyonce place right now. She needs to be here right now. So. <laughs> Thank you, Reggie, for inviting those. Waiting on you. They're already here. In, be friends, okay. <laughs> Tiffany, who's invited? Um, who's not invited? Or who's not invited? I am going to invite. I'm going to invite my bestie in my head, and that would be Amanda Seals because I just love her small doses and her realism. And yes, I'm going to invite bestie Amanda to the barbecue. Okay, Esty. Um, I would like to extend the Reggie invitation to Solange and Mama Knowles as well. So I just want to make note that y'all are doing this wrong because. <laughs> These people are already at the barbecue. You invite people that are outside the culture into the barbecue. (laughs) This is a presumption. You see, this is all on y'all because y'all did not clarify that you did not. You presumed that we were all on the same. You you presumed that these people are going to come to the barbecue because who said I was even coming to the barbecue? (laughs) All these people there, I may need to stay home. Tiffany, you know you're going to be there. Just don't bring nobody that's going to bring some potato salad with raisins. I'm Mexican, so I'm technically not invited to the barbecue. You are invited to the barbecue. What? Esty. Esty. Come on. But I can't presume that I'm invited to the barbecue. (laughs) We do barbecue differently. Anyway, I'm just saying. So I just just wanted to make clear that we're working on presumptions. We are. I just wanted to clarify about the barbecue. So, John... Who's invited or who's not invited? So I would uninvite Stacey Dash. Uh, I saw on TV the other day, I think oh, it's the anniversary of Clueless really coming up. And mm-hmm. yeah, every time I see her on my social media, it really like pisses me off and just angers me at the stupidity that she <laughs> continues to like spew out of her mouth. And so although I loved her back in the day in Clueless, she's uninvited. Mm. Jordan? The people of Wakanda would be invited. <laughs> There's nothing else to say about it. <laughs> He doesn't like that we're not following these rules. That that that's, I've gotten over it. That's it's if it's for the if, if it's not only did we get a scoff, we got we got an exasperated scoff. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's the worst. I did get to watch it. Exasperated scoff. 
So <laughs> I, I can't remember his name. I, I don't know where to send my invitation. But the little man in Shondaland that be on how to get, how to get away with murder. That little white man. What's his name? I Which don't one? watch There's that. Couple. There's mm-hmm. like five. Are oh, you talking about the, the one, one that, that got, uh, on the one that's also Amber on Rose's Orange show? Yeah, the one on Orange is the New Black. He be so yeah, woke on the I Twitter. He be so woke, so woke. So he can come to the barbecue. Well, I'm about to break your rule. I'm reinviting, reinviting because we lost them in the racial draft of 2002. The Wu Tang Clan, they're back. How did we lose them? They went to the Asian side in in Dave the Chappelle show. <laughs> <laughs> They're back. Forgot about that. I reinvited them. I forgot about that. <laughs> All right, jokes of the week, y'all. You ready? Don't give her any yeah. mercy laughs. <laughs> Thank you, Reggie. <laughs> what do you call a pony with a sore throat? What? A little horse. Uh, uh, buddy. <laughs> I like that one, Sean. I like that. John. Thank you. Because Cameron just rolled his eyes at me. (laughs) What do you call a person who tells dad jokes but has no kids? Sean, no, you got kids. Nah. (laughs) A faux pas. (laughs) Patrick's laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I just read a book about Stockholm Syndrome. It was pretty bad at first, but by the end, I liked it. That is horrible. Trash. I can't. I can't. I can't. That, mm-mm. Mm-mm, no. Well, okay. The people that, in the recording oh, no. studio are laughing. Thumbs down. Go ahead. Uh, what, mm. <laughs> what do you call the heavy breathing someone makes while trying to hold a yoga pose? Snoring. Annoying. Yoga pants. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a minute. It took me a second to catch it. I caught it. <laughs> this one is by special request. <laughs> Why don't cannibals eat clowns? Because they taste funny. Taste funny. Thank you. That was special. And then, and then, final. We got a bonus one because it's our last episode of the season. Oh my gosh! It's been lovely. It better be good. Okay. Come on. What kind of tea is hard to swallow? Sweet tea, scholar tea, reality. <laughs> that's more grim than honey. And that's real tea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was good. Sweet tea, scholar tea, <laughs> reality. <laughs> All right, so I'd like to recognize real quick, oddly enough. The McDonald's PR team. A troll went off about their use of rainbow-colored cardboard to host their fries in honor of gay pride, and here's how they responded. Hi, troll. The purpose of gay pride is to strive for equality for LGBT people across the world. You certainly do not have to eat our fries if you don't wish. Although we think you might like them because you have something in common. You're both salty as hell. Salty. <laughs> Hope that helps. Oh. <laughs> I love McDonald's that. So hat We're tip. Call that <laughs> hat tip to the McDonald's Mick PR Jay. team. Your burgers are leading to mass deforestation and your fries might kill us, but on today, you're winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <something> right. <laughs> I love McDonald's. <laughs> Who was <is> that? <laughs> Aja. Yeah. Aja. 
Tiffany. <laughs> I love McDonald's. <laughs> I do love McDonald's. That's my favorite. McDonald's needs to pay us right now. Totally. True. Audrey Lord once said, when I dare to be powerful, to use my strength in the service of my vision, then it becomes less and less important whether I am afraid. Fear often prevents us from choosing to step into ourselves and using our full strength to seek out our true passions and pursue our interests. Some of us are working jobs that don't suit us. Some of us are pretending to be someone else to suit others. Until next time, please be encouraged to feel empowered to take a few risks and reimagine how your life can best align with your skills and unique talents. You are a gift. A word. Y'all, thank you for being on this call today. We Thank love y'all. Thanks for inviting. Thank you for, you for supporting day. Scholar T. This has been fun. Always. We appreciate all the love and everything. And we hope to see y'all next season. Yep, spring 2019. Ahala.